Hello, everybody. I am Craig Eastman, and with me is Drew Tavendale. Hello. Uh, Scott Morris won't be joining us tonight for this thrilling, thrilling commentary to the <laughs> 1960 French New Wave classic, in inverted commas, uh, Thierry Sur le Pianiste, or uh, Shoot the Piano Player, Shoot the Pianist, depending on which territory you're in. Um... Oh, worth mentioning at this point, I suppose, Drew, this is the Criterion presentation, right? That's correct, yes. Criterion um, DVD presentation. So if you are not listening to that along with this version of the film, I suppose you might suffer some sort of sync, sound sync consequences, but you're, uh, you're a big boy, you're a big girl now, and I'm sure you can sort that out. Okay. In case you were in any doubt, there would be pianos in this film. There's a um, substantial amount of piano action going on. <laughs> I'm in piano heaven right now, Drew. For all of your hardcore piano fetishists. <laughs> for and look at those hammers go. And we know we know they make up a large percentage of our listenership. Oh, um, indubitably. Okay. Now this is a. Uh, the third Francois Truffaut film we've talked about in this series on the La Nouvelle Vague. And I think, although Scott and I found a bit more to like than you did for the most part, I think, Craig, although you weren't able to join us for our previous podcast, mm. I think Truffaut came out of that with the the least amount of negativity from us. Yes. Um and now yeah, you've it, just gone and confused listeners, Drew, because I did in fact make an appearance in that podcast. Did you? I've not listened to magically it yet, so six magically me. six days later, and actually, we, all three of us were pretty much aligned on everything to within a, a fairly close uh, margin of error. So now that would have um, confused me if I'd listened to the podcast and thought, "Well, he wasn't there." <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Peek behind the stage curtains. We don't always listen to ourselves. <laughs> How non-narcissistic of us. It's all happening here. This man seems to have run into a lamppost, which is highly inconvenient. I'm already not entirely sure what to make of this, Drew. Sorry, what just happened? <laughs> he ran into a lamppost when... Was he being chased by a car? Wait. The lamppost? Probably not. No, 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 no. <laughs> he... I Sorry, I suddenly realised I wasn't paying that much attention at the start of it. I was too busy. Dear me, I'm off to a bad start here, guys. Yeah. No, um... This so many of these uh, Nouvelle Vague films have been critical critical successes, which is something we spoke at length about on that last mm. podcast. We couldn't understand why that was, uh, but this apparently bombed at the box office, um, which apparently enough to make Francois Truffaut forgo his improvisational techniques and return to regular scripted drama. So this film coming an entire year after uh, four hundred blows, the four hundred blows. Yes, he. he was it that for a good long time? He gave that a good run, didn't he? Yeah, I was going to say, so much resolve, obviously. Yeah. yeah so it really had the courage of his convictions right there. Yeah. 
If you listen very carefully over the closing credits, you might hear the sound of a rattle falling out of a pram. <laughs> now, the gentleman on the left looks familiar. Did he not play the stepfather in 400 Blows? He did indeed, yes. yes. Thought he looked familiar. And that gentleman would be Charles Aznavour. Charles Aznavour, isn't he a singer? I have no idea. He may well be. Um, it is Charles um, Asnever. So I presume it's the Charles Asnever. When he's saying uh, um, she. That's his famous song. Oh wait, is he is he in the four hundred blows? He looks like the guy plays his step far, doesn't he? I may be entirely wrong. Just looks remarkably like him, or maybe that's not him. Yeah, I doubt that is. Yeah, I think I made a gaff there. <laughs> There we go. Once again, we proved the aptness of our title of our podcast. I... We should really change our names to Deep and Thorough pres- uh, Preparation. <laughs> so I'll tell you one thing I've noticed about this film already, actually, um, is that it's in black and white. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, you've noticed already I might, this is I might add deep that, analysis we're giving this I might add that to IMDB trivia I like to one of my little hobbies is inserting silly trivia into IMDB because apparently <laughs> apparently it gets checked well I, I'm here to tell you if it does there are a very lax set of guidelines for the people who check submissions Well, it's an apt title because uh, immediately I myself want to shoot the piano player. There we go. <coughs> Excuse me. It just me or was the guy standing in front of the piano previously he had a sort of... Excuse me. A very violent form of physical Tourette's or something. You know, with insight like that, we really ought to start charging for this. <laughs> now, I would imagine that's Charles Aznavour uh, on the piano now. On the piano now, yes. yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that is um, the guy that was the father in the 400 blows. Yeah. So we were right. Yeah. Don't get don't get chummy with Charles Aznavour. <laughs> why does why does being a doctor presuppose uh predispose him to being fascinated by breasts? There there's a question. That's exactly how that works, I believe. It's how they select people for the job, you know. Unfortunate mouthful of teeth. Hey, calm down. Oh, he, <laughs> he very much got what he deserved. This is based on a novel called Down There by the author David Goodis, which um, was read by Truffaut sometime in the years preceding making the 400 blows and after he made that which was um, considered to be very French um, he wanted to show that he could make a film that was more American I have not seen anything even vaguely American yet does this seem like an American film to you? because it seems pretty French to me Um, it seems pretty definitively Gallic at this point and also, I don't mean simple things like the language. It just it doesn't mm. feel like an American film. No, not even. Well, I don't know. For the time, what are we? Nineteen fifty? No, nineteen sixty. Nineteen sixty. Maybe a no, more Western think, aesthetic will develop as we go along. I'm thinking just of like this piano bar there too. I think. You know, it's something really archetypal in American film, like Rick's bar in Casablanca or something. Mm. And it's not got that sort of a vibe at all. That would be like a, a very strong American influence for this sort of setting. But I'm not seeing this. And this is having that singer in the middle of the screen like that doesn't feel American at all. 
So does that make me think of this YouTube video I saw a few years ago with a bunch of Czech people from the 1970s singing very strange songs? <laughs> I know that's We're completely quite a tangent there, and I love it. <laughs> Tell me more about these 1970s Czech piano fools. Well, at one point, um, they're just singing. So there's a guy sort of singing kind of enthusiastic like him. Mm. A couple of guys playing um, instruments, including like a jazz harp and some, like, some sort of whistle, penny whistle type thing, I think. Mm-hmm. And then in the middle of it, a guy walks across the front of the stage stops, turns to the camera, brings up a square sheet of glass, presses his mouth against it, mm-hmm. um, distorting his face, and then walks off. He earned his keep that night. Uh, it's got nothing to do with this, of course, but I've got no idea what's going on because I wasn't paying sufficient attention either. <laughs> no, I've uh, by this point already, I'm... This must be dynamite for the people listening. <laughs> uh. doesn't it doesn't have a quintessentially new wave feel to it yet but then i suppose neither did the 400 100 blows really um i think yeah the 400 blows perhaps a little more conventional compared to the other films we we looked at so mm. far um although maybe there's something to be said for it not being as much like the rest of New Wave, considering it was considerably... Considerably better than any of the other films I had time to watch, yeah. Yes, it was far better than the rest. I wonder then if much of Truffaut's influence was um, technical influence rather than uh, sort of... uh, Sorry, aesthetic influence rather than a sort of, you know, editing technique and such like. Mm -hmm. Although having said that, obviously... Well, I say obviously, it's not obvious at all. Um... Apparently, this was filmed largely without, well, in some areas, largely unscripted, which is quite typical. Uh, I think we've learned of the Cahier de Cinema. Um, and interestingly here, if I am to be trivia as to be believed, then the ending was decided on the basis of who was available at the time of shooting. That's bold. That's uh, unconventional, certainly. Hmm. I question the wisdom of that choice but it's it's a well, way see, to do it I guess to me as much as I enjoyed the 400 blows um, I think and I think uh, Jules and Jim which is the other truthful film I think I, I, I was able to uh, watch in preparation for the last episode um, it was one of the less offensive entries as well although I couldn't really say I enjoyed it um, but in aesthetic terms, at least, well, I say at least, I mean, it's not necessarily something to be applauded just for being conventional, but, you know, as aesthetically and, and structurally, um, it was less, less difficult to palette than some of the other stuff. And I think it's one of the criticisms I would have for the genre, if it is a genre, um, the Lou, Le Nouvelle Vague tends to, for me, err more on the side of experiment for experiment's sake. I was going to say that there. It's almost exactly what I was going to say, in fact, that with Truffaut's films seeming a little more conventional for the most part, mm. at least by standards now again, not knowing that maybe it would have felt a bit different then, mm. 
but um, he doesn't seem to experiment for the sake of experimenting. Yeah. Like. If swathes if swathes of it are unscripted, um, then certainly in the instance of the other couple of films, it feels less like that mm-hmm. than some of the other movies, which are far more obviously just thrown together on the fly. So I think Truffaut would seem to be more cohesive in a sort of palatable sense uh, for for my sensibilities, at least anyway. And a lot uh, a lot of what I found. And not challenging in a technical term because I'm quite sure I've got the faculties to to cope with slightly more demanding aspects of filmmaking. But I just found it a little bit wantonly. Uh, oh, what's the word I want? Sort of wantonly and experimental in a way that didn't necessarily uh, inform or drive the uh, the plot necessarily. Mm-hmm. It wasn't n- none of that experimentalism seemed in service of the movie as an enjoyable movie going entity. Um, a lot of that stuff came away feeling more like uh, st- some sort of strung out art installation. Yeah, so what you're saying is basically it's not breathless. <laughs> we should probably be thankful for that. Yes. yes be very thankful that every film that isn't breathless isn't breathless. Well, uh, although I've not even been paying attention to the words coming out of his mouth, Charles Aznavour here makes for a, a an infinitely more sympathetic lead than... Uh, our friend did in Breathless, um, Jean Paul Belmondo. Yeah, oh, true. <laughs> Keep it clean for the kiddies. <laughs> Jean Paul Belendo, what a prick. <laughs> um, although Scott and I discussed that he was far more affable in. Um, now, what was the film we spoke about? You didn't get a chance to see. Oh, um, so memorable is it that it's gone right out of my head. Yes. Oh, Piero Le- Pierre Lefou. That's it, yeah. I selected that film uh, for a watch on the basis that I, I fail to believe that Godard um, was held in such high regard purely on the basis of Breathless, which I found so objectionable, and that Jean-Paul Belmondo, I was completely out of character. I decided to give him a second chance Um I thought he he really can't be that bad of an actor, um, and it left me with the odd sensation actually that his performance in um, uh, Piero Lefou was well well still not necessarily the most endearing of characters. It was certainly far more engaging and sympathetic, and not that that's difficult really. No, and how objectionable actually, he was actually far more believable and naturalistic, and it led me to come to the conclusion that. In the short period of time between those films, five or six years or so, I found it entirely unlikely that Jean-Paul Belmondo could have gone from being a terrible actor to quite an accomplished one. And therefore that his performance in Breathless must have been intentionally so bad. And I'm not talking about how reprehensible his character is. I mean, literally in terms technically of his performance, I feel like it must actually have been a stylistic choice either on his or his and Godard's parts. Um, oh, maybe which just is bad improvisation because for a lot of that film, Goddard was feeding him lines or yeah. actors' lines just before just before they started, started filming. You know, some people yeah. just need rehearsal. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe some people before they do anything to do with film should have any sort of preparation beforehand. Hmm. <laughs> 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 because clearly they're in need of it. Look, an attractive woman getting undressed. Look that way. Well, Drew and I run. <laughs>
I suppose to to uh, fairly assess this film, we should probably have uh, watched it at least once beforehand, paid attention to what was happening, so we could have spoken with some authority. But you get what yes. you pay for, and you didn't pay for this. So, but <laughs> and in our defence, um, we were so put off by. The oh yeah, quality of so many of the other new wave films that yeah. really did not fancy watching it. I had advice. very little appetite to even watch another of the Cahier de Cinema uh, movies, but here we are. Look what, what, what! Oh dear, I was <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. That stopped your train of thought, apparently. No. Kind of quintessentially new wave. This scene. This is something that pops up in so many of these movies. Man and woman in bed together, just chatting shit, smoking cigarettes. How many cigarettes did he smoke? <laughs> so many it killed his metronome. That bowl is full. Deary me. Oh, I'm shattered this morning and I don't know why. You woke up every ten minutes for a cigarette. Oh, that'll be it. the new wave way of implying that it's a cold day outside. I would have preferred it if that kid had actually looked before running across the road for this for the sake <laughs> for the sake of a low budget movie. There's been very little so far in the way of unorthodox editing, which again was something that set four hundred blows apart from some of the other prominent um Entries into the genre. Like Breathless. Oh, don't. I mean, 
I know I do keep mentioning Breathless, but it's well A genuinely terrible. B a complete mystery as to why it's considered like one of the shining lights of La Nouvelle Vague. And C does serve a useful purpose in basically being zero. Um mm. as a useful reference point for anything else in the movement. Yeah. I think Scott and I discussed it. You know, it's not that you know, I understand why a lot of these movies might be of interest to film students, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, or someone who wants to delve deep into the filmmaking technique because they're certainly interesting from that perspective. But a, a great many of them are interesting only from that perspective and actually as a piece of entertainment, <laughs> which is supposed to be <laughs> which is supposed to be consumed and enjoyed uh, by a paying member of the public, I feel quite a few of them fall woefully short of the mark in that respect. Um, unless I'm just... Unless I'm just so far out of tune. Is that guy at the wheel, the police officer from Breathless? Still wearing the same coat and hat. Mm. Uh, so the one who shoots Bob Belmondo at the end. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, so, spoiler alert. It could well be. Because um, there really, as some of the, um, Scott mentioned when we were talking, is that there is a, there's a lot of like, incest and nepotism within this whole movement of films. Everybody's editing each other's films or writing it or starring in it. And all just like, that's it. Same wandering off of one it. set onto the other. More or less seems like that, doesn't mm. it? Okay, it's the first sort of visually unusual thing that's happened in this film. Yeah. My big question for this movie is, is anybody going to break the fourth wall? And for a second there I stopped because I thought she was doing it. Again, that's one of those traits of... uh, of the new wave, the breaking of the fourth wall, and only two of the films I watched used it effectively. The 400 Blows actually used it, I felt, really effectively at the very end. And Piero Le Fou um, does it in a sort of playful way. It might be it might be worth your while checking that out, actually, Drew. I made the I made the observation which Scott um then Kind of, well, he could at least see where it was coming from, I think, that it wouldn't surprise me to find that Piero LeFou had informed some of Takeshi Kitano's work. It seemed there's there's a lot of um there's a lot of thematic and sort of plot similarity in places to Sonatine in particular. Mm-hmm. And that that movie had, at least for me, kind of a, a playful self-awareness. Um it kind of it had an air of I know I'm a new wave movie and I'm going to play with it a little bit in a in a humorous way and things like the breaking of the fourth wall in that movie are done in quite a, a humorous sense. Mm-hmm. Um, when Piero is, is passenger in a car at one point, he turns around and, and speaks to camera and uh, his female partner who's driving the car asks, who are you talking to? And he says, the audience. Um, it's all kind of... Oh. Sorry, I feel like I missed a joke there. Do you ever feel like everybody's laughing at you, Drew? 
yeah, I had a kind of playfulness about it that endeared it to me slightly, and I think I, I let it off the hook a little bit with some of the some of the stuff that I might have found more objectionable in other movies. <laughs> the light in his eyes there. <laughs> I'm not convinced that was acting either. It's like no. Did he just say he tried on a pair of knickers? I missed that there. I think I want to say that I got a flash of the subtitles there mentioning I tried on a pair of silk panties. Oh, I don't think that was damn it. Uh, that might just be the strange sensibilities of Americans. I was actually talking about this a couple of days ago, mm. um, just as in a bid to sort of improve my Spanish a little. Mm-hmm. Watching a lot of films nowadays, even if the English with Spanish subtitles on, just to see if I can follow along and pick mm-hmm. up some words, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that like, so often in America, you get, and because I've seen it work in the reverse as well, watching Spanish language films with um, English subtitles, but done for an American audience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in America, you get like really watered down things like, oh my gosh, instead of, oh my God. Yeah. And I was like, now if you're going to say, oh my gosh, we'll just go and find a different phrase instead of this strange watered down, which is it's like such a weak phrase anyway. Yeah. You don't but, want to be a melon um, farmer about it. <laughs> but um, in like all the Spanish subtitles are always, oh Dios mio, you know, which is, oh my God, in yeah. Spanish. And, and they're the most Spanish speaking countries, very strongly Catholic. So it must be that strange puritanical protestant thing in the united states that oh we can't possibly say oh my god but we can murder as many people as we want oh yeah yeah <laughs> i know this has absolutely so all to do with french new wave or this film at all but um since i don't know what else to say about this just now i thought i'd go off on a tangent sorry about sorry. that uh-huh. i suspect we'll both be doing that <laughs> to quite a degree yes Yes, cruddy walls. I would argue cruddy walls have more to look at. He didn't say excuse me, he just said please. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the thing, this is, um, again, this is not to do with this film, this is just a general concern about films in different languages, but when you know that they're not saying what the subtitles there, you feel that sometimes you may mm. not actually be getting with the true intention of the original film. Even something so subtle there as him saying, see vous play, and the subtitle saying, miss, please, it's as though social custom in France is being, you know, and the French version of politeness is having an adapter slapped on it to suit mm-hmm. an, an American audience. Yeah. It's, it puts a bit of doubt in your mind that you're actually getting the 
And I know it's it's not just direct translation, you need interpretation, not of course, simply yeah. literal translation, but it does put doubt in your mind that you're getting quite the intention of the filmmaker. And, that, mm. and particularly when it's something like the French New Wave, when it's most films, I guess, but when it's very much about the place, the culture, the time. Yeah. Um, and then if you and being begin an orthodox. to change the language, in, which is such a substantial part of that, you're, mm-hmm. you're not quite getting the whole picture there. Yeah. I know, a, a very, very minor example there, instantly in terms of whether he said, please or excuse me mm. in this cafe. But, but I feel entirely justified in extrapolating much, <laughs> much oh, uh, more from it than that, Drew. Oh, yeah, absolutely, Craig. <laughs> you, you will receive no argument from me. <laughs> Life can be crazy. Oh, I thought she was a, he was addressing the fellow sitting next to him. <laughs> so did I. Though. I mean, I choked too. I was like... I've been thinking about this, Drew, and I think we should film our own New Wave movie. Can we have a thousand cuts within one five-minute monologue? Because that would be fantastic. Why not? There should be like an iMovie template just called New Wave. When you click on it, it'll just it'll just chop a clip up and rearrange it. And do everything out of sync. Just randomly, yep. <laughs> Impresario. I don't, is it just me or is there something that suddenly feels kind of like a Chaplin film or something now about the way the movements are? Yeah. It's, just, it's completely changed editing style right in the middle for for reasons of, of F times Q or something. I don't know what's going on. And that's the thing, again, with Truffaut, there's so much less of it than there was with um, Jean-Luc Godard. But the the new wave just seems to be, because it's so experimental, mm-hmm. but they do just seem to be sort of trying everything and then just sticking to the finalised film and then finding out whether it works or not. Yeah. It's like, we, we could try doing it this way and we'll see what happens. And then it's like, well, that's what we did. We better put it in the film. We don't have any other footage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, understandably, in some cases, they were limited by, you know, availability of film stock and stuff. So you can understand, um, you know, you can understand cut cut and print on your first take, even if you weren't 100% happy with it. But that, oh, I suppose maybe it's maybe they're to be lauded for the fact that that makes it even more insane not to plan things and script things in advance. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, if you want to heavily improvise and 
not have a lot of film on hand, then but yeah, I guess that's what they were aiming to achieve. But yeah, I mean, results certainly vary greatly across the across the genre, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Not that not I that I can it's... claim to have you know to have to have watched all of French New Wave and be building an informed opinion there. I've watched about <laughs> four or five movies, but I think I can extrapolate enough from that. Yeah, it's it's not the experimentation that bothers me. Being you may experiment with it, maybe something in the end I don't like or don't care for. Experimentation is fine. That's how you find out what works. It's mm. that so often again, Truffaut's work seems to be less affected by it. It's so scattershot, mm-hmm. and just like, and not all, always for any obviously good reasons. More just we'll we'll try everything. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. We don't really have any sort of plan. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure how that's useful to anybody. Again, I know yes that you know art can thrive on restriction and. Hmm. There's a limit. They can't do retakes if they don't have the money or the stock, film stock available to do it. But you know, even if they just you now spent a couple of days beforehand going, well, maybe we'll try this here because this might be useful for this. Not just it's like in the middle of a shot. It's like well, let's just do it this way for hmm. shits and giggles, you know. It's almost self-destructive in a sense. Mm-hmm. Do you think she cut her own hair? <laughs> I can't. So I can't stop looking at her fringe. It's terrible. And I know I am not um, highlight of sartorial um, or um, coiffured elegance, but still, it kind of looks like she took a pair of kitchen scissors and hacked away at her own fringe. Or maybe that was part of the new wave experimentation as well. She's kind of getting away with it because she's an attractive woman. But now that you've mentioned that, that's can't keep your eyes off it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What is this just plastered up in the street? Are those just instructions on how to sit sit and stand authoritatively, (laughs) handily build up in the street? Am I missing something there, Drew? I don't know. I... Am I making a fool of myself by even mentioning it? Well, no, because I, I I can see now that 
he was using that as some sort of thing for to to portray of confidence. He saw him buying the books on shyness, mm-hmm. which were all co- which all had the same t- title. Weirdly, mm-hmm. it's like it's four different versions of the same book. But um, I'm not sure what that was. Was it just there happened to be free advice in the streets of Paris for people who are shy on posters? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe French do things differently. I don't know. You might want to ask your uh, your good lady about that. Maybe she can shed some light on it. Yeah. You spent a great deal of time in Paris, right? Yeah. Um, living in France and all, too. So actually ask her. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's just a peculiar cultural oddity of France. Whereby the government just, you know, it's just random self-help posters. Yes. In this country, you just get things that things on road signs about phoning Clarence about the state of the roads and stuff. <laughs> In France, it's it's all about posture and self-confidence. <laughs> Explains so much. I do know that French high school students have to do exams in philosophy, so they definitely do things a lot differently in that country. So Mm. maybe. And I think they're all the better for it. I can't decide if that's like a an overcoat or a dressing gown or a smoking jacket or all three at the same time. Dinner?
Oh, well, that's all right then. Mm. Only your body cheated. Yes, that's called life. <laughs> and that'll be how mirrors work. Okay. <laughs> There's no Teresa. Ah, she's a vampire. She's a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. This I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take a stab in the dark here and suggest that this might might have been a pre-scripted sequence. With the <laughs> length of this monologue, seemed, I, I suspect so. It seems like she might have wanted time to rehearse that. It's, I think that's a reasonable assumption to make, Craig. Oof. Wasn't expecting that. I I remember the name Camapella, but I've slightly lost track of Fido. Um, Fido. Um, is it actually a dog? Is it a person? Is it the piano? Because I don't remember seeing a dog. No, it's definitely not a dog. No, it's a character. <laughs> Back to the piano, finally. And it's strange that the um, the French name for this is "Don't shoot the pianist." Mm. So why in English is it "shoot the pianist"? You thought that was more or less exactly the opposite of what it should be. <laughs> if you've if you've got those teeth, you may as well show them. If you got it, flaunt it, sort of thing. <laughs>
just me of those like the least committal kisses any two humans have ever imparted upon each other. <laughs> like two goldfish fighting over the same flake of food. <laughs> yeah. I think mean, it kind of makes sense with his character because he's still he's never gotten over his wife is mm. the, the base of his character his wife's death but her? does not explain her does it? and it's really creeping me out that she's looking away as if she's blind <laughs> I don't know why that bothers me but look at him already <laughs> slightly unorthodox editing there, but nothing too out of the ordinary, I suppose. Somebody's had his Weetabix. Mm. His waist is tiny. It really is, isn't it? Okay, I know he's a small man, but he's still a man. How is his yeah, waist so small? I was going to say, we're talking proportion here, right? Yeah. I was going to say, I gathered from this, he seems to be operating under two different names. Edward Saroyan is the mm -hmm. famous it's concert pianist, yeah. And Charlie Kohler is some dive bar pianist. Yes, that's right. But who no one seems to recognise as the famous concert pianist, or does everybody know? This is where watching it in advance would help again. Seems a modest request. Mm. 
A kid was in the 400 blows as well, I think. And this is all I have to say about this scene. <laughs> A loss as to what was going on there. Asafido's the boy. Oh. Right. I was going to say, have I missed something here, or is this what I think it is? But yeah, <laughs> I was a bit. Yeah, I think is that's what I think it is. But um, it was the conversation in front of the boy that a very um. Matter of fact about it, I guess. The problem here is that we've both made the same mistake, Craig, of A, not watching in advance, although you may not consider from your point of view whether that's a mistake or not. Mm. But also, not having paid suitable enough attention where we are actually watching it and have no idea what's happening. <laughs> You're terrible human beings. I I can't counter that. <laughs> where Charlie's about to find out that Fido's been taken and then the big action sequence. Uh, mm -hmm. He'll be on the phone to the guy. I have a very particular set of skills that makes me a nightmare for people <laughs> like you. <laughs> Not to um, say that your accent skills aren't superb, Craig, but I did think you were one step away from saying good morning. Arthur Bostrom owned that accent. <laughs> Nailed it. Very authentic. I'm pretty convinced Sasha Baron Cohen and Hugo was um, just doing that accent. Yeah, pretty much from what I remember. I 
This is just one of Charlie's little affectations. He likes to just sort of perform live, improvised soundtracks to the sort of goings-on around him. Oh, well, if that's what's going to happen, we'll obviously admit it then. Yes. Yes, I find that consequence agreeable. <laughs> it's the first time I've seen a man bring a, a phone handset to a knife fight. <laughs> I'm half feeling that um, with the semi-improvisational style of this is that they actually were fighting each other for so long and then the actors just kind of got fed up and said they wanted to stop and they left it in as a plot point. Because <laughs> <laughs> they did look kind of actually exhausted there, like just really fed up. <laughs> like we don't have enough film to carry on with this fight scene. Is that what you're doing to him? Is he going to snog him to death? <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. Well, that's a sensible way to pick up a knife, of course. Blade first. He's <laughs> wondering why it's doing the guy no damage as he plunges the handle repeatedly into his back. It just seems to be making my hand sore. That, that was quick. He just the blade into his back and then that's it. Obviously, he stops moving. instant kill. <laughs> Then you know that, Drew, between the fourth and fifth ribs at a, at a 12 degree angle. <laughs> and there's going to be a musical accompaniment. <laughs> and what, he's also just decided to have a small nap as well. <laughs> <laughs> so suddenly it's like, yes, okay, I've realised now what the character of Charlie needs is narcolepsy. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. The man has a knife in his back. How accidental. <laughs> no blood, obviously, because no. that would stretch the budget too far. That's it. It's a very neat wound, very flush to the blade. So why is Charlie unconscious? It must be it must be narcolepsy. Um. Um, um, <laughs> I don't know, how would they explain that perhaps? Shock? The man that was on top of him being slightly more on top of him is made him I don't know.
It's just the sheer stupidity of another man bringing a payphone handset to a knife fight and suddenly, <laughs> suddenly struck him. <laughs> yes, I meant to nick his arm, but I missed and buried it in his back. With great deliberation and care, I missed his arm by a good foot. <laughs> well, you see, officer, it's all a big misunderstanding, really. I meant to nick him in the arm with a knife, but I missed and shot him in the face. <laughs> In the same way that, in the same way that Lee Harvey Oswald only meant to nick JFK and make him <laughs> rethink some of his policies. Fido sounds like a dog's name yeah. because it's a dog's name. That's they're only, they're only just on board with that now. <laughs> It's the first that anyone in the movie. father he had. What's that? My father always used to say if someone knocks on the door, assume it's a murderer. It's <laughs> a bizarre upbringing he had. My father, my father was heavily into chemtrails. <laughs> and often wore a tinfoil hat. <laughs> Like my old man used to say, it's not paranoia if they really are after you. If someone knocks on the door, assume it's a murder, it's a telephone. Lizard people? Yes. It's that kind of thinking that got Oscar Pistorius in so much trouble. I've got so much stuff. Well, so far you've described a jacket and some shoes. (laughs) Why does that boy's voice sound like he's a 60-year-old with a -a 40-a-day habit? Sorry, that's... <laughs> the women just falling over randomly. It, no, did you not see what he said? If it's no, if but... it's not the truth, I swear, like my my mother will keel over this instant. Cut to <laughs> cut to a shot of his mother <laughs> keeling over and dying. I'll apologise, Craig, when you were doing the edit, if there's any mic handling noise. It's just that my um, boom arm has decided that it's, you know, got narcolepsy or something. It's all right. 
I gave up using my boom ages ago. I just always handhold, but I just force myself to be quite rigid. Like my hand is like a clamp at the end of a recording now. So I started using the boom arm again because I'm more likely to, or too likely to sort of not think about what I'm doing with my hands oh. and just go in sort of automatic pilot. So she's decided like, roll, roll up a cigarette and realise you're no longer holding the microphone, that, that kind of thing. <laughs> Something like that. Though if I find myself rolling a cigarette, I've very much changed. <laughs> you're just being new, Eve. <laughs> It's the power of suggestion that they're smoking all of the cigarettes. So is Charlie just sort of sleeping for most of this part of the film? <laughs> He's got the right idea. So, so far what I've ascertained about this is the guy is both a famous concert pianist and a piano bar pianist using two different names. Uh, his wife threw herself off a balcony and some lad who he seems fond of has been kidnapped. What relation is Fido to him? I don't know. I was wondering that too because... I assume that woman was the... Well, no, it had the same second name, so I'm guessing it's his son, but I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't it's think they do have the same name, though, do they? Yeah, they're Fido Savian. Ah. And she went to acid. Where's oh, the only okay. Fido Savian? <laughs> wow. The illumination we must give and anybody still happening to be listening to this. I think it'd be a great tragedy if anybody were, Drew, at this point. <laughs> I think they've got more to worry about than uh, a lack of informative commentary on our part. You recall that thing I said about it being called Don't Shoot the Piano Player? Yes. I, I think that could just be some more of the great, incredibly well fact-checked IMDb trivia and could be absolute nonsense. Uh. So, sorry about that. In much the same way that, <laughs> much the same way that Quentin Tarantino's two-part samurai epic was actually called "Don't Kill Bill," <laughs> in uh, some territories, it led to a great deal of misunderstanding. You, you are handling that mic, and no mistake. <laughs> it's getting worse. The whole thing's just collapsing. <laughs> I swear this thing's got narcolepsy. 
I'm not even going to edit it. People are just going to have to take <laughs> this as they find it. Well, if it's anything new wave, doesn't it? It's the That's it. More naturalistic um, style. Did a lot of production, post production. <laughs> the thing's just dropping, it's now in my lap. <laughs> really just thought I need a screwdriver, which is not particularly helpful right now. I'm just making a note of the time, the time here, just in case I really I can't be bothered trying to find bits, really egregious <laughs> bits that probably need to be <laughs> silenced from the. Oh dear! So I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna mute this microphone in a second because the whole thing's now collapsed and it's sitting against my belly. It's just cool. Right, so he's muted his microphone, people. So he can't, he can't hear me, but he can't respond if I call him names. What sort of names you intend calling me? <laughs> nothing, nothing. I haven't called you to your face before, Drew. That still leaves quite a, <laughs> a wide gamut of possibilities. <laughs> I'm inventing new words all the time. <laughs> So wait, what's the deal? Where's Fido? Is that him in the background? <laughs> that I can hear. Who kidnapped Fido and why? So the two guys who are after his brother, I think. I'm making an educated guess on the basis of what I've read on the so IMDb of the, or of something the, of then, the plot. Um, there you go, great bit of I don't know if I had a slight stall in the video there or if actually he was moving his mouth and words weren't coming out for a second It's possible because it happened earlier there were definitely mm. um, lip movements with no voice Me too, as the British too. As if that's some sort of great idiom of the English language or something. Is it? I think you'll find the French say me too as well, just in French. That's brilliant, we could all do that. As much as I've gleaned of the plot of this movie, I'm still going to call it out and say it's got a lot to fit in in the remaining eight minutes <laughs> if, any, <laughs> if any of these plot strands are to reach any kind of conclusion.
what's with all the snow? Uh, weather. Winter. Kind of sibling says they're pleased to hear that they're. <laughs> I was wondering, it's like, Bravo! Now you're a murderer. Ooh, rite of passage and all that. And what did you say? Can't remember. We didn't have a script. I should say that very much depends on which end you're standing on. Or perhaps he was talking about Fido. If your goal is to keep warm, try perhaps sitting away from the window. I disagree that it would make a good poem. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha. 
Yes, of course there's no sign of him. He got kidnapped and you haven't done anything to look for him. <laughs> you just sat in a rocking chair. That's you don't understand how the search of people works, do huh. you? Unfortunately, it turns out Fido's not a homing pigeon. <laughs> or a boomerang. <laughs> He's... Or a dog. Yes. <laughs> He's a young boy with little with little means physical or mental to overcome or overwhelm his kidnappers and make a break for freedom. Where's Fido? Ah, chained to a radiator somewhere, I imagine. No, so is Fido being brought to them and why? Why was he kidnapped in the first place? <laughs> Assuming that it was Fido and not just a ventriloquist dummy that they're hoping to pass off as Fido. That could happen. <laughs> it could. Didn't have the budget to pay the kid to film on the last day. Okay, now Just I will admit I wasn't paying as much attention to this as I really ought to have been, but I am not convinced it would make all that much difference. No. Now, see, the kidnappers, they've made a number of mistakes. Bringing the child back to the people you've kidnapped him from for a start <laughs> seems fairly fundamental. But if they had simply had a tennis ball in their pocket, they could have thrown it then and he would have been powerless to resist chasing it. Mon Dieu. Now is not the time for having a wee play in the snow. That's somewhat dramatic. Oh. I mean, she sort of turned herself over on that slide so many times her name could be Jürgen Klinsmann. <laughs> <laughs> to, to what end are they performing this bizarre... There's only two minutes of film left. I don't understand anybody's motives for anything. Look, no one can hit anyone from, what, six yards away there? Ah, so and it's an influence in Star Wars then. Yeah, and yeah, and yeah, a moment ago, the guy just fired off a snapshot from about 50 yards and hit a woman on top of a hill. Mm. Must have gone to Stormtrooper Academy. As far as I can see, they kidnapped Fido from his family so they could bring him back to his family. That's not where she was lying a minute ago. No. It's not snowing that heavily either. Why is she covered in the stuff? That there, there. That'll make her better. Never never mind the bullet <laughs> hole. It's the bit of blood playing around her mouth that's the... <laughs> oh, never mind the fact, dude, that um, she was clearly blinking there. <laughs> you see her eyes moving. 
course, nowadays you would fix that in post, you know. Try not to get Whereas killed, the Charlie. Days, well, the old days they had to rely on people not being able, uh, being able to not move their eyes for at least three or maybe even four seconds. <laughs> if I miss something here as we head into the last 45 seconds of this movie, but why Why did the kidnappers bring Fido back? <laughs> Were they on I a, feel like there's an entire reel missing. Were they on a bungee cord or something? <laughs> well... Guys, thanks for listening. I have been baffled, and <laughs> Drew was Drew. <laughs> well, it was certainly a film, Drew. It was certainly a film, Craig. Um, Will you watch it again? Yes. I imagine you could guess a good answer to that one. Mm. Here's my answer. <laughs> good night, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>